welcome back to Ashburton. We're uh, about ready to start now. It's political commentary. With Rod Oram. Happy New Year, Rod. How are you? Um, Rachel, and a very happy new year to you too. I'm fine. Thank it's, you. It's great to have you on the show this morning because it might only be uh, January, but plenty has happened in the political <laughs> calendar already. Uh, we've yes. got a brand new Prime Minister as of yesterday afternoon. Uh, Jacinda Ardern resigned last week, and we've got Chris Hipkins now taking over the role. What What do you make of this transition? What's the, I guess, the the thinking behind it, in, in your opinion, and, and what do you think it might mean for the Labour Party? Um, I think the Labour Party has a huge challenge to try to persuade people that it has achieved far more in government over the last two terms than I think the public, by and large, believes. Um, and um, I'm not sure that it has a, enough confidence in itself to be able to make that case. I mean, I, I would focus there particularly on the economy, um, and um, the economy's been progressing far better um, than um, the than Labour is given credit for. Yes, there is inflation, but that's been a worldwide problem, and it seems to be coming back under control. But in terms of growth and employment um, and the like, um, those numbers are very good. But I don't think anybody believes that that's the case, and I think it's very hard for the for Labour to make that um, th that case. Um, and on top of that, uh, Hipkins is by far the best choice from um, the caucus to be the next leader and the next prime minister. Um, and he's been a competent minister in, in many ways, um, but he's also got some real legacy there, um, which isn't so promising and makes him very vulnerable, uh, particularly um, with the reforms of um, the polytechs and, and that uh, tertiary training area, uh, which is wildly, wildly bureaucratic um, and still um, all over the place in terms of um, not yet properly bedded down. Um, and and I, I find him a rather risk-averse um, person, I think. Um, he's certainly more confident than Luxon, um, and I think he will run rings around Luxon um, in um, political debates, um, and um, which is going to make the, which will add some interest to the election campaign um, in October. Um, but so I think he has some electoral advantages over um, Luxon, but um, he's obviously going to be carrying, I think, some un baggage which a lot of the electorate seem to have, voters seem to have about Labour, uh, which I think is, is not justified by the facts. Mm -hmm. um, but then we won't let facts get in the way of um, um, <laughs> an election campaign. Yes. It's going, to be, it's going to be an interesting election campaign. Uh, there's been quite, a, I guess, a, a quick turnaround in the general commentary we've heard about Jacinda Ardern's decision to step down. On that first day, there was a lot of doom and gloom uh, around potentially Labour's possibility of taking uh, out another election. And then within about a day, we've started to see that shift as perhaps this is the circuit breaker that Labour needs. What, what I'm hearing from you is that uh, it's still going to be a big uphill battle for this party to convince the public that uh, that, that is possible. But, but do you agree with that particular sentiment? Do you think that this is a wise move to have a change in leadership now? Yes. Um, there is, was so much negative um, comment and feelings around about Ardern, and I 
my view on that is that that was very unfair, very unjustified. I think she um, achieved far more and was far better um, in that role than she's been given credit for. Um, and it, so it's not just um, the absolute apoplectic fringe and um, the dark side of social media. I was finding that quite widely um, amongst um, people I was talking to, people who would consider themselves um, often, if not always, um, Labour leaders. She and uh, Labour voters. And um, I have no idea why that was the case. Mm. I mean, you can point to all kinds of things, and it, it somehow doesn't all add up, but that was the fact of the matter. Um, and she could never turn that around um, in the time between now and the um, election. So in many ways, I think she was right to resign, not only in terms of um, giving the party a better chance of winning at the election but also she is um very talented she's achieved a lot she deserves to move on to the next chapter in her life um and so i, I think she made a, a, a very brave and very honest decision um and uh, um yeah and so I, i'm very intrigued to see what comes next for her um, but of course i'm also very intrigued to see what comes next for the country <laughs> yes absolutely it's going to be very interesting to see what plays out this year I want, I want to get to some i mean perhaps predictions is a bit strong at the moment but some thoughts around that in a moment but let's talk a wee bit about ratana because that is a significant time of the year both in te maori but also in the political calendar it's quite often uh, talked about as being the start of the political calendar have you observed anything else obviously this has really dominated the political headlines, but have you observed anything else that's come out of uh, Ratana this week that's caught your eye about this kind of entry back into the political year? Um, I was very surprised by Luxon's comments there um, that were very direct and not particularly articulate um, on the question of um, co-governance and the like. Um, and um, they seem to be almost faint echoes of um, sort of a, a, a Don Brash two-systems argument there. And I just don't feel he's got um, his head around the issues at all. And I was really surprised he would make himself um, so vulnerable, so public, um, by taking these half-baked thoughts um, to uh, Ratana like that. And um, that, to me, was the, the biggest surprise. Uh, of, he would have been, I think he would have been wiser to know that that day would have been about Ardern, and mm. it clearly was, rather than try to um, go entirely against the, sort of the mood of the meeting, the mood of the day, by injecting some half-baked ideas about Maori Pakeha relationships and the Treaty of Waitangi and all the rest. So I thought that was extremely bad judgment on his part. What are your predictions for the year ahead? Because it is going to be a big year. It's going to be, uh, I guess we've got new variables now, so it's going to be perhaps not the political year everybody assumed it was in December. But do you have any predictions for what we might see leading up to the election in October? Um, I'm going to make two predictions. One is that we're going to have an utterly conventional election campaign, and I'll, I'll come back and enumerate some things there. But the second point is 
the election campaign will be won't be about the issues that really matter at all. We'll be running around in circles again on all the old things that we've always talked about and haven't and keep offering up the same half-hearted responses to, without really getting stuck into things. And um, and understanding that the world is changing hugely in economic, socially, cultural, environmental, um, ecosystem terms. You name it, geopolitics, it goes on and on. Mm. And, and I just feel we're, we are pulling our heads in more and more. We're taking less and less, we're less and less engaged in the real debates out there in the world. So those are my two predictions. And um, on the convention election side, we're going to get um, incumbents defending their um, their record on COVID, on the economy, um, on some of the legislation they've done, and the opposition touting their solutions, which will be tax cuts and end to wasteful spending and such things. Um, and. Um, you know, Hipkins on one hand is talking about bread and butter issues and the cost of living crisis, but I just don't get any understanding that the cost of living crisis, there's two sides to it. There's not just the cost of living, mm. but how we earn a living, both in terms of how hard people work for poor wages and then how unskilled we are as an economy and how unambitious we are as an economy. And, and there is just nothing coming through from Labour um, on um, on that how we earn a living in the world um, as a country, nor is the from national either. Um, so you, we're going to get two um, middle-aged, although one rather younger than the other, young middle-aged, risk-averse Pakia men um, will lead the two main parties' campaigns. That's why I think it's going to be very conventional um, and um, really ignoring these huge, huge changes in the world um, that we seem to be um, burying our head in the sand ever deeper. Well, thank you so much for your time this morning, Rod. Some really great thoughts about the big political year to come. Uh, always awesome to have you on the show. We'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Yes, thank you. All the best. See ya. Ka kite. You just heard a bit of political commentary. With Rod